Welcome to Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, the wonderful private company owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission is to formulate litters that keep cats using the litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. With Dr. Elsie's support, the Cat Chat Show brings you interviews with cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations, so you can better understand and appreciate your own feline family members. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival, short films from around the world that celebrate the kitty cat, which will be back in theaters starting on Global Cat Day, October 16th, around the country, and will travel nationwide through 2022. Meantime, thanks to Dr. Elsie's, you can now see streaming versions of earlier festivals for free on Tubi TV. I got him back, folks. Dr. David Bruyette from Anavive, this incredible pharmaceutical company creating treatments and uh, ways to deal with, with illnesses of dogs and cats that nobody else has really figured out yet, is back because we're going to talk about diabetes. Now, I did give Dave warning that I have talked about diabetes for years on this show and on Cat Chat and talked about it being a man-made disease. And what I think about that. And luckily, he's he, he ran the, the VCA hospital in West Los Angeles, which is about as good, almost as good as the UCLA Human Hospital, <laughs> only not as good because it's not quite as big, an amazing vet <laughs> hospital. So he saw a lot of diabetic cats, not necessarily personally, but he oversaw a lot of doctors seeing it. And Dave, thank you for coming back and discussing diabetes with me, both what you're doing at Anavive to look at the genetics of the disease and we're going to do a, a yeah. shout out to ask people to please present themselves through the internet to you so maybe they can get genetic kits from Anavive. But also Perfect. talk about this disease in general with, with cats. I, I just want to remind anyone listening, you know that I coined about a decade ago the phrase kitty crack because I felt, <laughs> and it was not just an emotion, it was based on facts that highly processed, completely carbohydrate-heavy food had been made by pet food manufacturers in a way with ingredients, be they smells or tastes, that made cats get hooked on it. And therefore, I called it crack, like an addiction. So they were addicted, and I still believe this profoundly, to a food that was causing them irreparable harm. Now, maybe Antivive has some reparations for this diabetes that we've caused in our cats by feeding the obligate carnivore highly processed carbohydrates, an unnatural food for them that not only makes them obese, it actually makes them fat, just like if you eat a lot of heavily processed carbs with or without a lot of chemicals, you too will get fat, and our nation is a fat nation. But in addition, uh, causes urinary tract problems and kidney problems, but let's just talk about diabetes. So poor Dr. Dave brave man that he has said, sure, I'll discuss that with you. And, and, I, and I don't want to offend you or your colleagues who have all supported all. dry all. food for years. But I will say that despite my greatest efforts and that of many other great um, cat advocates, most of them actually went to vet school and have letters after their name. My, you know, your diabetic cat, a lot of great doctors um, 
still about 95% of you still feed dry food. And honestly, shame on you. You really got to feed wet food, folks. This is an obligate carnivore. It's a desert animal. However, you're still feeding kitty crack. So, Dr. Dave, what is your thought about my, my, my little soapbox moment in, in Hyde Park Corner? I mean, I, I know I'm not off, <laughs> sure. off, off the mark, but, but you as a doctor and as, and as, as now a sure. chief medical officer of an incredible pharmaceutical company looking for uh, possible preventative measures of diabetes through medication of some kind or intervention of some kind, when I would say the preventative mm -hmm. measure is stop feeding dry food, start feeding wet food, you, you have a lot of knowledge and a lot of compassion for cats and their people. So what is your thought about this disease that is, yeah. to a large degree, man-made? Yeah, well, thanks again for having me, Tracy. Um, all, there's about 400 questions in that. that That's my norm. Asking. I'm so they're... awful. I'm the worst person in the world. I just like, yeah. I fire, I do a firestorm. And luckily, you're so yeah. smart. You're like, okay, I'll cherry pick the ones that are manageable. Well, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. So I, I think that um, the short and the long answer to your question is, is that I, I totally agree with you that diet is a huge factor that has contributed to the epidemic of obesity in cats and subsequent to the epidemic of diabetes in cats. I think if you look at diabetes in cats over the course of the last 20 to 30 years, what I think there's a, about three things that have been contributing to this diabetes problem. Okay. One is, is that the cat, the cat population is getting older and that has happened because of really two, three, three, little, three variables. One is the feline leukemia virus vaccine Ooh, has right. prevented mm -hmm. lots of cats from dying. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been a big shift in the moving <clears throat> cats in, indoors rather than being outdoor pets. Right. And the other is just, you know, enhanced routine veterinary care. Good point. But mm -hmm. as, these, as these cats have moved inside, they've also increased the amount of calories that they're eating. And they do tend to eat a lot of carbohydrates. And from a metabolic evolutionary standpoint, they're not designed to eat a lot of carbs. They're designed to eat a lot of protein mm -hmm. and they're designed to eat a lot of calories throughout the day rather than having, you know, a single meal a day. So what we see happen is that superimposed on an aging cat population, we now also have a genetic problem, which is the cats have a uh, genetic imbalance where they develop amyloidosis, which is a protein deposition in their pancreas. And over time, the amount of that amyloid that accumulates in their pancreas destroys the cells in the pancreas that make insulin. And so what you have is, from an evolutionary standpoint, a group of, of animals who are genetically predisposed to develop diabetes because of amyloid, who are also living longer for the reasons that we discussed earlier, right. and who now take in a diet that is probably not in their best interest in terms of promoting normal, happy, healthy regulation of blood glucose. That's brilliantly explained. Let's go back to that genetic component because those that yeah. those genetics weren't even known about a decade ago. I mean, we're still constantly learning things about genetics of animals and of people. Right. It, right. Those genes, I don't imagine, in, in my simplistic scientific understanding, those genes were not influenced by the diet of, pre, pre, of, of previous generations of cats, right? I mean, eating a lot of carbs over two or three or four generations wouldn't change the genetics, right? 
Correct. So eating uh, the carbs over the last, you know, several generations of cats wouldn't do anything to the gene. But if you have altered gene function and you eat a diet, that can result in an effect. So what, you know, what we look at, what we're looking at now with our genetic study in diabetes is for two main reasons. One is, can we understand better why cats become diabetic? And secondly, if we understand that, are there things we can do to mitigate the possibility that a cat may become diabetic, um, whether by it's whether it's through prevention of obesity, prevention of amyloid deposition, whatever that ends up uh, looking like, we would like to be able to prevent it rather than to treat it because. Once you treat it, it brings in a whole other area of complication for pet owners and and for veterinarians. And in fact, if you go back and you look at um, the discovery of insulin, if you go back to the early 1920s with Banting and Beth discovering insulin, and they won the Nobel Prize actually for the discovery of insulin. No kidding. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. And Frederick Banting, when he accepted the Nobel Prize in his Nobel acceptance speech, he very clearly stated Insulin is not a cure for diabetes. It's a treatment. And nice. we haven't really advanced, you know, nice. since 1922 in, in that setting. So what we really need to do to combat diabetes in people and obesity in people and diabetes and obesity in cats is we, we need to understand a little bit more about what predisposes them to develop these problems. Wow. This is really interesting because I thought, well, you and I are going to have a fight on our hands. I'm kidding because we're both, you know, very mutually respectful and have a sense of humor. But I thought, sure. man, you're looking for possible preventative measures. Just feed every cat some wet food and call it a day. But that's not the case. And this idea of the genetics. Right. And when we look at humans, I don't think having the only thing I really know about fast food is supersize me, right? Which was a pretty horrifying documentary. Yeah, right. And this guy ate right. just only food from McDonald's for a month and was violently ill very quickly and got hooked on it mm-hmm. and soon was hospitalized and had organ failure. And he was a healthy guy. So, it, right. you know, if people are, are eating something, some things, not just that brand, but other foods made of questionable ingredients and lots of stuff in it that doesn't belong in the human body. That's kind of equivalent to cats eating an inappropriate diet. But you're asking the question at Anavive, but why are some, are there some individuals, what percentage of individuals in the cat population are genetically predisposed to go down that obesity diabetes path? And if we could identify them, at least those people, those pet owners could be told that when they find the cat on their doorstep, when they get that kitten from the shelter or from the community cat, wherever they get it from, and if you could check right. the genes, you'd say, okay, this cat really seriously, folks, no kitty crack. This cat really and seriously, truly has to be on a wet food diet or a high protein diet only. And is this something which could maybe translate to the human population that some people are more predisposed and you see these obese children, I mean, morbidly obese children that are six or eight or 10. And you think, how could you get that fat so quickly, no matter how many Tostitos and Gatorade you're given for dinner. But are those children, and I know you're not a human medical doctor, but you're a scientist now. Are they predisposed maybe genetically? 
Well, it, it's certainly possible. There are a number of genetic diseases that can predispose, you know, children to childhood obesity, which then increases their risk of type two or non-insulin dependent diabetes. Right. And I think that, you know, when you look at at cats and uh, and diabetes, and you know, your to your point about diet, you know, for sure I can say that diet by itself is not going to fix the problem because here's the issue, right? We mm-hmm. know that if you feed a high protein diet, low carbohydrate diet to cats, I, I would agree with you. It would likely decrease obesity as long as it was being fed, not free fed. So the cats right. eat as much right. as they want, mm-hmm. but, but fed to me, it would probably decrease instant obesity. But here's the issue is that cats get every other disease on the planet besides diabetes. And so as they get older and develop other disease states, they're going to require dietary modification to help with those diseases, particularly in cats, the whole problem with kidney disease, because you get a lot of kidney disease in older cats. The last thing they need is a high protein diet. They need to be protein restricted, Mm -hmm. which is more of the anti thought with respect to diabetes. I think that probably what will end up being the key is that we're going to find that at different stages of life in healthy animals and at different stages of life with concurrent disease, there's going to be different dietary requirements. And the question is going to be, can we formulate a diet based on genetics showing that a given diet upregulates or downregulates a certain gene, which then helps uh, with that disease process that that pet is currently exhibiting. Wow. So I think that with, di- with diabetes, we may be able to formulate diets that downregulate a gene that's causing diabetes or upregulate a gene that may help regulate metabolism and help decrease obesity and formulate a food for that group of cats. Um, so I, I think that that's kind of where the future is going to settle out, and that's why we're excited on, on the study that you mentioned to try and get as many cats with diabetes uh, to be able to get their DNA sampled so that we can look at what genetic mutations are there, what genes are being turned on, what genes are being turned off. And when we put in a given intervention, whether it's a drug or a diet, how does the expression of those genes change? Wow. That's really fantastic. I'll write a little blog and put a link in it so that people, it's a free, uh, it's a free DNA test. If you're chosen, if your cat is chosen to be part of this study, which would give you incredibly valuable information about your cat, which wouldn't be available anywhere else. But it's also citizen yeah, science. Right. I mean, you're also helping exactly. a, a, right. you know, a, a big think tank, a brain trust, to figure this out. It's pretty interesting. I've never heard these technical research um, medical terms, uplimit. That's very interesting, uplimit the genes. So I'm imagining, well, the, yeah, it's a yeah. cool, it's upregulate, a, upregulate I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very yeah. cool yeah. idea that what you feed can affect what the genes are already trying hard to do. And you hope that they're exactly. not trying to do the wrong thing, but many of the genes right. are. You don't even know the percentage of cats who have this predisposition to genetically to diabetes, right? You're trying to find that out? Right. That's exactly it. We're trying to find and find out what genes are involved. We know it's not a single gene problem. It's going to be a multifactorial, oh. multi-genetic issue that that's going to be associated with diabetes. And so that's really kind of the first step is to see, 
what it, what in the genetic makeup is different between a diabetic cat and a non-diabetic cat? And then once we understand that, what can we do to influence the expression or overexpression of those genes? Wow. That's really kind of amazing because it isn't just, you know, Tracy's prescription, go feed wet food, always feed wet food. It's it's the prevention and the cure. <laughs> right. It, it's obviously simplistically it sure beats just feeding kitty crack but it doesn't these subtleties that you're discovering are much more interesting and by the way the pet food industry must be just salivating so to speak without a pun intended at at the doorstep of anavive thinking oh my god we want to be the first ones to to use this amazing science to make foods that are preventive and curative not the prescription yep. diets now being sold, which many of us who actually read labels of pet foods don't like the ingredients. They're, they don't, don't sound right. Yeah. They look a lot like supersize right. me ingredients. Yeah. In some way, they get it, the job done on paper or in a Petri dish or theoretically, but right. people don't necessarily want to be feeding their dogs and cats those things for their life. So I it, agree. And I think you, you are seeing that now we're starting to see, uh, and for the past few years ha are seeing uh, pet food companies incorporating something called nutrigenomics, wow. which is a very similar approach where you look at, well, how do the various components of our diet, like if you, you're deciding what ingredients to put in or take out of a diet, how does uh, constructing a diet affect the the genome, the genes, and the expression of those genes. So I think you're going to see that. You're going to see companies who very specifically are able to formulate diets for a given disease state based on genetics and how the diet influences those genes. It's incredible. I mean, it takes the whole work that that you know. Hills did. They were the they were the pioneers. Yeah. People don't understand the yeah. Hill Science Diet was really pioneering, and the work that that was done yeah. was extraordinary. It was brilliant, and it was about kidney disease. And this takes it to you know the twenty second century. We've run out of time. This is so exciting and so interesting. And off the air, I'll talk to you about getting in touch with the Cat Fanciers Association and reaching out to breeders, maybe of all the the purebred sure. cats, because they would probably love to be part of this as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Briette, for everything you guys are doing. It's pretty great. And I'm sure every day you go to work is, is, is a new, <laughs> a new horizon that you're, that you're leaning towards. I think it's terrific. Well, thank you, Tracy. It's not boring and we appreciate uh, your efforts as well. Thanks for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and affection for cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which has broken new ground by creating a healthy, dry, and canned food for kitties called Clean Protein, which is inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey. I recommend that wet food should always be your cat's primary diet, but Clean Protein is the first dry cat food I believe can be a healthy choice if you want to feed dry food, even as part of your kitty's diet.